it's another episode of Sports Yak Podcast. Who types this stuff? Just run it, hit play, hear it, get it done with. I'm Jim Shorts. I'm an icon. The class of 2019 Indiana Sports Writer and Sportscasters Hall of Famer Chuck Freebie. And the other butt monkey. Who cares? Hit the subscribe button. I'd hate to miss a second of this junk. Sports Yak, the podcast. Now that's good. Now turn it off. Welcome back, <laughs> film fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me to my left, not in the dark, Drew Douglas. Hey, real quick, are you okay? Because I know... You heard me coughing. No, Liam and uh, Miley divorced. I just want to make sure you're okay. I'm I'm okay, but I have a friend who's not okay, and that's who I found out from first. I went online, and after one year of marriage... Less than one year. Oh, it's less than. Wow. But they were together longer than that, right? And they broke up like 65 times during that period. <laughs> That's got to be a sign. Like, if you break up, I feel like if you're like, you know what? We need a break. I would and say if you do that just once, yeah, that's a bad sign. It's normally a sign like, yeah, forever together is probably not what it's cracked up to be with this person. Are you okay, though? Now that are you happy that Liam is out of it? Or are you happy that Miley's out of that? I don't really care, but I think she's <laughs> cuckoo. Who... Why would you want to be in a, in a family that where Billy Ray Cyrus Billy is Ray's. a part of it? <laughs> I was going to say, hopefully Billy Ray is getting ready to collaborate with Billy Bob. I was watching some random thing about Billy Bob and how he got upset on a Canadian show for them introducing him as an actor rather than a band member. That's kind of random and weird, but... Well, a long time ago, so Jared Leto's in this band called 30 Seconds to Mars... <laughs> In Kansas City, I was listening to 96.5 The Buzz. This was probably a decade ago when 30 Seconds was just getting started. And they were hot. And he was really trying to be serious about the music thing. And he called in to um, talk to, it was like a morning show. We had it on. And they introduced him. They kept just asking him about his movies and not 30 Seconds to Mars. And he was just like, yeah, I just want to talk about 30 Seconds. And he was getting like irate, and they, they, I think they knew what they were doing because they asked him again about like Fight Club or something, and he just hung up. <laughs> they probably asked him about him wearing that big suit, that bodysuit for that role in Fight Club, and then he's like, "I've that what inspired body suit." Didn't he wear a bodysuit for no, uh, Fight he plays Club? Angel Face. Oh, I need to go back and rewatch Fight Club. For some reason, I thought he wore this big bodysuit. What bodysuit is in Fight Club? The big, the big guy. He was the guy who ended up hugging uh, Edward Norton. Yes, and that's not him, though. For some reason, I had in my that's, mind that was that's uh, the singer Jared known as Meatloaf. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. I knew it was someone that was a singer. Jared Leto is bleach blonde. He looks like Jared Leto. He's very handsome. He's angel face, and he gets his face beaten in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can't. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that. It's been forever since I've seen that movie. Well, one movie that we have seen recently is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. So thanks for joining us on this brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. 
This is how the episode will work. We will get into the discussion of stories, then we'll rank the stories. We'll also have an update on our summer movie rankings. We're bringing back a game known as the Rotten Tomatoes game, and we're going to guess our scores of It Chapter 2 and what we think the critics will say. Then we've got a tease to a new fantasy game that we're bringing to you. And finally, if you stick around, you will hear something at the very end of this <laughs> podcast. And it's what? a story just for you. Oh, no. Let's jump into Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Do you want to see Haunted House? Some kids went missing, so they boarded it up. Okay, we saw it. Should we go now? Who ordered the chicken? What's that? It's a book of scary stories. Do you know what this movie's about? Uh, not really. I've forgotten a lot about this movie. It's about a haunted book that brings scary stories to life. I totally blinked on all of that. It was directed by Andre Overdahl. He did The Autopsy of Jane Doe, which I have Good not movie. seen. Good movie. Troll Hunter, which I have not seen. I haven't seen that. It's written by Dan Hageman and Kevin Hageman. I think that's how you say their names. I've never heard of these people in my life. Hageman bros. Three people came up with the story, including acclaimed filmmaker Guillermo del Toro. One of your favorites. He's not somebody I dislike. He's just, I'm indifferent, has, I would say. Has he done anything since The Shape of Water? Remember that came out and that was like Oscar nominated for Best Picture? Yeah. And no one has thought about it ever since? People were raving about it. And... There was like two months Guillermo. when people loved it. Let's see here. Guillermo. He hasn't done anything since then. Yeah, besides producing, and that's pretty much it, he's working on, oh, Carnival Row, the new Amazon show. Apparently, he wrote an episode of that. He's kind of been behind, he's been doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but not behind the camera, so to speak. It's obviously adapted from the kids' books, written by Alvin Schwartz. Did you read these as a kid? Yes, but while watching this movie i realized one thing and this is not a joke i did forget a lot about those stories well each story is maybe a page long over the weekend before seeing this movie i went to target and bought two of these books and then after we went and saw the movie we um my girlfriend and i we turned off all the lights and i read these stories to her by flashlight <laughs> and we laughed and we giggled because these are the corniest stories you've ever heard but you guys had fun with that? We had fun. They are not scary. They are not very good. <laughs> Budget for this, I don't know. Couldn't find it. Could you? It was made for about 25. Okay. Well, box office, $20.8 this weekend in its debut. That's good for number two. Mm -hmm. It's actually almost good for the top spot. And it's really bad for Hobbs and Shaw whenever in its second week, this movie almost did better than Hobbs and Shaw. Not good. Um, you haven't seen it yet, right? That is a um, Blu-ray rental. I don't even know if it's worth that. I don't know. I tweeted something, and I thought it may end up upsetting a lot, but it's I don't get the Fast and Furious movies. I just don't, and this is They got part some of that. good ones. I just, the more I saw of this, the more I realized I didn't need to spend 12 bucks. Ye, well, I'm glad that the that my girlfriend ended up buying the tickets because she wanted to go see something, and we saw that. And, I mean, it was a fun movie, but 
Hmm. That's kind of where it ends. Wouldn't see it again. Isn't it like two and a half hours long? Yeah. And there's no reason for Nobody that. Nobody wants that. Cut it. To, it's like an, it should be an hour 40 at most. Anyways. Rotten Tomatoes score for Scary Stories. Last time I checked, 81%. That's high. The big question is, does it deserve the 81% consensus? Let's do a one-word review for Scary Stories. What is yours? Entertaining. Oh, okay. I was going to say flimsy. Okay. I could see that. I don't know how this is 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, that's that fact surprises me a lot. I don't understand. It, and it's also very confusing because there's a similar discussion I had with a listener of ours about Crawl, the movie, and how high of a score that has received. This movie, for stories, and seeing this movie, I'm surprised that critics across the board are like, wow, you know, let's uh, let's give that a high grade because it just seems like something almost like from a Saturday morning cartoon series or a Nickelodeon series, and it's just... Um, I don't know. Like, given a higher budget. Let's not break from tradition. We'll do what's good. Okay. We usually do three things or less. I only have two. And this, I don't want to say it was a struggle. I had to really think about what I liked about this movie. Okay. My, my favorite thing is, and I'll start with at the top, it is entertaining because I felt like the stories, I legitimately had fun with it, but I also wonder if I had more fun with it because I had... A little more of a rambunctious crowd, but everyone in the theater was on a date. And here I was alone, and I was surrounded by people on a date. There's this guy, a row behind me, and if it weren't this kind of movie, I would have been mad, but he was commentating certain things about the movie, and he would end up saying things like, okay, so now she's going to cut it. And <laughs> cut what about like the pimple oh, no. and the red spot stuff like that? So he made it funnier and more entertaining. So I think without that, maybe I would like it a little less if I didn't have Mister Mystery Science Theater three thousand sitting behind me. But um, I, I like the stories. I thought they were fun. And man, our crowd was dead. So they weren't responding to this movie at all. Not audibly. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Other thing that I have to say is this movie, I feel like, would make for a really fun Halloween movie, which is kind of baffling to me. Why release it now? Wait. That's what I felt too watching it. I was like, man, this makes me want to step outside and I have to put on my fall jacket. And Instead, I, we stepped outside and it's sweltering heat. This is the wrong time to put this out. With a heat index of 105. But Legit over 100 this weekend when yeah. we saw this movie. Yeah, no, and right now it's even higher. But honestly, I just don't, I, I feel like for this movie, you push this back to the end of September at the earliest, and then you have this movie come out. This would be, I feel like, a lot of fun. And movie, I, it's set during, on Halloween. Yeah, and that's the thing that, now that, that's kind of like in between a, a positive and a negative, but. Overall, though, I want to return to this movie when it's Halloween because it could be a lot of fun. But this is a movie that I found myself turning my brain off a little bit to to enjoy. And I was caught up in not really understanding the bellows part of it in the very beginning because I'm like, wait, what happened? Like you, I, I really only had two things. 
I really like that this is set in 1968. The creators talked about how they wanted to have this feel kind of like an Amblin movie. Mm. I think it barely achieves that, but A for effort. Yeah. I also think it's interesting how it plays with the fears of the time, which is Vietnam War. Mm. So we have kids in this small town vanishing, and then it's the same as soldiers going away to war and never coming back. Uh, it has a couple ghoulish delights, which I love. That's good. Harold in particular is gross. And that's where it kind of plays up to its strengths that I was not expecting it to do that. I was ready for some very corny deaths or buildups to scary moments. And it ended up being a little scarier. Like if I were a parent taking my kids in to see this movie, I would be hmm i don't know there would i would definitely want to hear about a warning before taking my kids in to see this movie i'll say that very pg-13 i would say a pretty hard pg-13 because of like harold as you said and a few other things that even for myself as a horror fan and i'll watch pretty much anything whether it's really gruesome to none at all it's something that is more than just borderline in the middle it leans into it being kind of sickening at times. I'm pretty sure my mom and dad would like were like, you're not reading that. See, I, do, I think I got my hands on them in the library before they were banned. Um, it was either right before or right after. I don't know. I can't remember. But I read them, and I mean, I don't remember a lot about them other than the illustrations. And I remember when this movie came out, I'm like, man, they're really going to nail a lot of this. And they did. That's the other positive I would say is that in terms of the design of the creatures, very great work. They do. There's some good work. And then the jangly man who you and I saw was played by a real person. I feel like this is overtaken by CG. CG that Mm. doesn't look great. And I thought we were in for a big surprise with Harold because the way that was moving, and I thought, all right, we're going to deal with more animatronics and that kind of thing with this film. And as we get further into the film, that starts to go out the window. That boy had a coming. I think everyone was like, we're ready for him to go. So negatives. I have three. Okay. I'm going to stick to the three things or less. Number three, we can't do one movie that doesn't end with setting up a freaking sequel or some stupid cash grab. I was somewhat okay with the way that it ended being a loose end of like, hey, we we lose someone, but we would like to get them back. Like there's a feeling that she has that they can return. I I wish it was rewritten a little bit differently, but I'm like, all right, well, here we go. We're going to get more of these movies and... Which is fine. I just don't... I don't like the narration. The execution of this movie I don't think is great. I think the individual story pieces are kind of interesting. But the narrative I've seen a thousand times, which is Mm. we have to uncover something about history and then rectify it. I think this would have been way better... Because Nickelodeon's bringing back Are You Afraid of the Dark. Mm -hmm. This would have worked way better as like a Netflix or Hulu series, Mm -hmm. 20 minutes each, and each one is told Tales of the Crypt style. Sure. And just get rid of all the fixing history nonsense. You've got your ghoul of the week. Yeah, it was just, I I felt like I'd seen it before. And ultimately, I just don't think this movie's scary. There were moments, I wouldn't call it scary, but it was, I want to say gruesome in terms of, 
like it wasn't gory, but there are just moments like, man, that's it just caught me off guard by how far they're pushing that PG-13 level of of intensity. And there are a few things that stand out in my mind, but like how like scary the, would you say this is? I, yeah. I found it to be mildly unsettling. Like, yeah, I would call it unsettling, but out of five, five being like the exorcist, seeing that for the first time <laughs> as a kid versus a an episode of Barney the Dinosaur being number one, I would say it's like maybe two and a half at most. And then some of the characters are just really obnoxious. Nobody really, really stood out for me. See, the characters I didn't mind. I enjoyed the banter between Augie and what was his name? Chuck? Was it Chuck? Whichever one, the... The the, the kid with the curly hair who is scared of the pale woman. I just couldn't lady. figure out what he was doing. Like, where was he from? He had this accent. I thought he was just kind of annoying. Yeah. Now, there. this also reminded me of moments like It, but it was a watered-down version of It. That's what it seemed like. Because you end up having your big haunted house, same as it. You've got the book slash the writer, Sarah Bellows, which plays that as Pennywise. And you've got these individual stories happening, the fears of each character that is happening to them. And it's basically their greatest fears come to life. So it's, see, it just, it's all wrapped up as like it, but the counter-programming to kids. What was, so Augie... Is the one, it's the big toe story. Mm-hmm. What was his big fear? That's a good question. I honestly, I don't know. I can't remember. They all were like addressing if it wasn't like the pale lady who was so obvious, they ended up saying in the story, like, what was it about that story that scared each character? I can't remember about Augie because he was the one who was like, you guys are lunatics. This is not happening. It's not real. It's all made up. You're making it up. But I like the banter between Augie and, and his other friend. That was fun. Uh, the kids I didn't mind. The one thing, two two things, the cerebellos in the very beginning, they were explaining it and they were done explaining I'm like, wait, hold on. Apparently, my brain just, like, turned off for a second. Who is that? And what is her purpose? And we're basically retold the meaning of cerebellos so many times it becomes of, like, we're treading the same ground over and over and over and over. Honestly, I feel kind of split, but I lean more toward being, I'm going to say satisfied, but entertained by the movie. I was entertained too, and it doesn't push its runtime. Just do a Hulu show, though. I feel like this would yeah. be so good as like twenty-minute episodes on Netflix. Sure. Yeah, I would agree. And keep it the same tone. I think visually it looks pretty good. I've never seen any of this guy's movies before, and I wouldn't say this really does much to make me want to seek those out. I would definitely see Jane Doe because that movie. There are a few interesting visuals that he, like how he shoots and. There are some eerie things, some creepy factors to that. But there are moments of that movie that reminds me of Return of the Living Dead, which is one of my favorite horror films of all time. So anything that reminds me of that, I'm going to recommend. So in 2013, CBS Films acquired the rights to this book series. And January 2016, they announced that Del Toro was developing and potentially directing this movie. He obviously did not do that. Would you have rather seen Del Toro take the helm? Uh, Does it even matter? 
No, I mean, I, I would actually it, say I would be less interested. How about that? Because the reason being is Del Toro is an interesting director. I think he's he's good, but I'm not necessarily like a huge fan of Del Toro's. You think you could spot a Del Toro movie out of like you were just shown 20 seconds? Hmm. Um, I don't know if he, he has a style to him. I don't think it's anything that was not replicated in this, though. There are themes in Del Toro mo- movies that I notice a lot. And I just started watching for the first time Hellboy, the Ron Perlman f- movie on Netflix. And I've stopped that like three times, not because it's hard to get through, but just I watch that whenever I can. I've noticed certain things in that movie that happen in Shape of the Water and um, Pan's Pan's Labyrinth that I see it seems to kind of replicate in his other films, but I don't know. I I can't spot anything that I would say, yeah, that's definitely Del Toro. You want to do a little final grade before we do some rankage? Final grade. What would you give it? C. A generous C. See, I feel like my grade's pretty generous, but... At the same time, I want to watch this on a, on a nice, cool October night. Get the windows open. Put the windows up. Have a candle lit. I'm going to eat some Reese's, some snacks. Have some flannel. I'm going to put my flannel jacket on. I'm going to have a little blanket. I'm going to wrap it around my waist because it's chilly. Wear corduroy jeans. And it's just like a, I, sitting corduroys. next to me, it's just like a stack of horror films. Uh. I just think of stuff like Trick or Treat, which I think is a really good Halloween movie. I would love it if they did another one. Oh, so there's just one film. I thought yeah, they had... Yeah, like, that was, I feel like, held in development hell for years. Wow. And then came out and kind of developed this cult. I remember whenever it came out and people were talking about I think I was in college at the time. People were like, oh, man, you got to see this movie. And Scary Stories seems like it's like the kid's version of that, possibly. I've compared Scary Stories to a lot of things. And maybe that's the fact that Gives it a lower grade for me, but I wouldn't say a B. Uh, it's fine. I'll say B minus. How about that? C plus B minus. It's fine. Yeah, B minus. It's uh, it's not offensively bad. I just no. wish it was better. No, I think honestly, it, it looks good. There are certain things that, like the Harold scene, that Fantastic. is that's probably the best shot, best looking bit of it all. I just yeah. I, let's rank now. Let's, let's rank the scary stories in this scary story movie. Okay. All right. So at the very top, in order, we end up seeing Harold. Second up, Who Took My Tone? The third story, Red Spot. Four, Pale Lady. Five, Jangly Man. And the sixth and final story is Haunted House. So basically what they did is they saved the worst for last, in my opinion. Yeah, that's how I felt. Haunted House is just, that was my least favorite. It, it tells a story that we've been hearing the entire movie. And it's just like, who cares? I yeah. don't care about this story. Number five, I put the red spot, which is the girl that gets like this pimple on her face that gets bigger and bigger. Dr. Pimple Popper oh. would love People were going girl. nuts in the theater whenever that happened. They were like, oh, gross. Number four, Pale Lady. Okay. Number three, Jangly Man. Number two, The Big Toe slash Toe Soup is what I called it. 
And then the reason I say this isn't scary is because we start off with Harold the Scarecrow, which is the best one in this movie. And basically it's all downhill from there. I feel like the first two are the best and it just never is able to capture those moments again. That, I was going to say, I think you copied over those stories that I wrote down because that's what I have. That was, if I, I thought if we get this, we are in for a ride. And that just set the tone. And then when we get to Haunted House, I'm like, wow, this really went downhill. The, the Harold thing, too, is as it's unfolding, I was like, this is disgusting. Yeah. And I was expecting, it just, a lot of that was just so startling, I would say. That's the best way I would describe it. Not gruesome or, it was just startling, a lot of things. And whenever the boy gets stabbed by the pitchfork, I'm like, What? I loved it. It's going this far. He's throwing up straw. I had no idea what he was throwing up, and then it dawned on me what was happening. What was his name, like Trent or something? I can't. I don't know. I can't remember any of these characters' names. He was a weird-looking kid too, right? Yeah. He reminded me a little bit of, once again, (coughs) the main villain, the boy in It. He had that look to him. And a little bit of like Stand By Me. Anytime... They uh, just kind of have that that preppy look. You're like, all right, we're in for a ride with this kid. Let's rank the summer movies that we have seen. We have seen nine. I got to say, I've moved some of mine around. Some of these movies are complete butt blow. Oh. And it starts with number nine, Men in Black International. Seriously? Turd streak. Yeah, not good. Uh, the next tier is just... These are movies that are okay, forgettable for me. Child's Play, number eight. Number seven, scary stories to tell in the dark. Whoa. Number six, we're getting into some some movies that, you know, I like. Still a little forgettable, but I like. This is more of the carpet burn range. Number six, Bright Burn. Number five, Ma, which I love. I still love that one. Uh, Good Territory. We're getting into the good tier. Number four, Far From Home. Okay. Number three, Midsummer. Number two, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number one, Avengers Endgame. Coming out on Blu-ray and 4K and DVD tomorrow. I really wonder if anything will top Endgame. Do you think it could top Endgame for you? I would be shocked, but I'm going to watch rewatch Endgame this week, and maybe it won't be as good the second time. I think hmm. it will be. Yeah, I I have to say that maybe at the bottom of the list, it's starting to get a cutoff. And I think now there are some that I'm recommending and others I'm like, yeah, I mean, if it's your thing, this is going to be rapid fire at the bottom. I need you to hit me. No surprise. Nine, Mibby. Okay. Eight, Ma. God, you have Ma so low. Mm -hmm. Seven, Child's Play. Jeez. Six, Brightburn. Okay. Five scary stories. Mm. Four the same as you, far from home. Three in game. I mean, I get it. The top two, I'm slowing it down a little bit. If you remember last week, I'm switching it up. Number two is Midsummer. Number one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I feel like you've kind of done a little reversal on Hollywood. You you were, I don't want to say indifferent, but you didn't love it. And then we talked about it and you liked it more. And now you seriously text me about it every day. I rewatched it for a second time. I saw that movie. It had me rolling. Wait, you saw it again? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I saw it for a second time, had me rolling. 
It had me crying at times from laughing. It had me just looking for various things. Got to say, there are just certain things that it get, it just keeps rising on my list of movies. A lot of fun, that movie. The other thing, I have to now update my top three Quentin Tarantino films. Ooh. And at the top, it's still Inglorious Bastards. But number two is now Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Woo. The top two QT movies belong to Brad Pitt, baby. I think it's well-deserved. I got to say, can't get enough of Cliff Booth. I've thought about, I was growing my hair out for to be basically a young Jack Burton. Now I'm going to, I think, cut it to Cliff Booth's hairstyle. His hair's long in this. It is, Not yeah. like long, long, but it's... It's longer, but man, I just, I have to say, I can't get enough of Hollywood. When we first saw it, I thought about it. I'm like, okay, it's good. I'm going to say it's great. Now I would say, all in all... For Hollywood, get ready to bleep this, because I'm going to pull a QT. I f- love him. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for the summer movie rankings. Let's get to the Rotten Tomatoes game for It Chapter 2. What is the Rotten Tomatoes score for It? The first film, Chapter 1? Yeah. They got to rename it, right? It is 85%. Are you being serious? Yeah. I looked I looked this weekend because I was curious because I thought, I have a score in mind. And... Do you want me to go first? I'm sorry. Nope. I stand corrected. 86%. Ooh. 86%. It chapter one. You go first. I'm go- I, Before you do that, I'm writing mine down. Let me write it down here. All right, I'm locked in. I think it's going to be hard for them to F this up. I think it's going to be super hard for them to totally F this up. Oh. That's why I'm saying that It Chapter 2 will have a Rotten Tomatoes score of 87%. Okay. I was ready to scream. I got what? 90. It's going to be really hard for them to F this up. I honestly want to go higher. I think I think it chapter 2 will be will be really high. Like you'd be surprised if this was not well received, right? Yeah, I would. At this point, I think that it chapter 2 will go down as one of my favorite films of 2019. That's I, you know, I hate to set that kind of expect or that anticipation on it, but I don't know. I'm I, not, I'm just, I'm pumped. I'm so pumped. I feel like I'm most intrigued by Bill Hader because he's like not spoken in either of these two previews that we've seen. And one concern that you had early on is that it's going to be a Bill Hader yak fest where he's just going to be cracking want, jokes. Yeah, I don't want him yucking it up nonstop. But that's part of his character there, Richie. Well, I get that, but I don't want it to be a yuck fest. Beep, beep, Richie. If you read that book, they do that, I think, probably one million times. <laughs> it's it very grating. I'm, I'm glad that they only did that once, technically, in chapter one. This has just been years of just Stephen King. We're just living in Stephen King's world. I love it. They announced the cast for The Stand, which is going to be on mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. That's going to be awesome. Two hot takes. i got to ask you real quick. Yes. Tell me... 
loves it, hates it. Okay. For casting on the stand, James Marsden. Loves it. He Amber Heard. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like she can go either way. I don't think she's a bad actress. Like Mandy Lane? Or are you looking more along the lines of Aquaman? Is she good in Aquaman? Eh. She wasn't as great as I wanted her to be, but she's kind of cool. Yeah. I just think that movie's kind of a stink fest. Have you returned to it? Yeah, it's, it doesn't stink and smell as bad. Ooh. It doesn't smell as bad. But it still is lower tier DCU for me. And some of those movies are poo-poo. I, I also wanted to know your thoughts on Jason Momoa and him saying that, no, I'm not shooting Aquaman 2. We got to, he, he's uh, basically fighting for he, Hawaii right now. Yeah, he's fighting for the land. You know, that's his cause. Oh, respect. Mad respect to Jason Momoa. He's doing what he thinks is right. And people are saying that he's got a dad bod. All I can say is that if that's a dad if bod. If that's a dad bod, my gosh, I got a lot to look. I got I to gotta work a little harder. There's no way I'll be able to achieve what's inside of my dreams. Let's tease one new thing that we're going to bring up. And this is going to happen on the next podcast. You've heard of the summer movie fantasy draft. Get ready for the end of the year movie fantasy Ooh. draft. Ooh. Where we will pick... The films, we will have six. I'm guessing we'll stick to pretty much the we, same basis, right? Yeah, I would say the rules are basically the same. We haven't set that up yet. Um, but we're kind of winding down the summer fantasy. We're going to see who wins. It's very close right now. Very, Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tight race. And you still have two movies coming out, which really puts Ooh. me in the dumper. And Hollywood is showing that it's got some legs at the box office. I I, I think I said on the, on the show a lot that... Because we had to drop whichever the lowest performing movie was, we had to drop it from the list. And I swore up and down that you were going to have to drop Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it's going to be Angry Birds too, baby. I look like a flipping idiot. Oh, I don't know. Angry Birds, that can make a lot of money. Uh, not as much as Hollywood. I think that it's going to be a big bomb. I can honestly tell you I've never downloaded that game or played it. <laughs> I did whenever I was sitting on the toilet. Gross. <laughs> I was like, I, I, uh, I feel like playing a game, and that's whenever I started playing it. Speaking of the toilet, yeah, just a quick update on the Blood Bandit. Oh. We don't have an update. It hasn't happened since. We, we've never received more feedback on anything we've done until we did the Blood Bandit. The B-Man, or well, I say that, um, B-Mystery Person, has inspired a scary story. Oh, no. And one of the listeners of ours sent us in a scary story of this mystery person. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Thanks for listening to this episode of Quality Check Podcast. Don't forget that you can rate in and subscribe to us. That way, you know when a new episode drops into your podcast player. You can also follow us on Twitter, Quality Check Pod. Instagram, Quality Check Podcast, or shoot us an email to qualitycheckpodcast at gmail.com. Get ready for this story. Here it goes. This is 
a story that you never you have you have. I just saw the headline. I just saw how long it is. <laughs> like the title of this story is The Bleeder. One of one of our listeners uh, heard on our last podcast episode that we were covering scary stories to tell in the dark. So, inspired by that and also inspired by this film, Scary Stories, they decided to merge the two into one. So here's an original. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Okay. The title, The Bleeder. (laughs) Oh my God. (sighs) Daniel barged into the bathroom, grabbing at his groin and muttering, "Um, this is is it, (laughs) and muttering curses in hopes it would keep him from soiling his slacks. (laughs) He rushed to the toilet seat, started to sit down, but noticed an unusual sight. A double take revealed a red, dry splotch staring back at him from the porcelain throne. Mystery flowed over this boy. I love that I'm called a boy. Easing his growing intestinal tensions. Further observations concluded more red material outlining the rim of the toilet. It had to be blood. A trail of trouble left behind. Now, covering his mouth, Daniel had a sense of dread wash over him faster than a scalding hot shower. He knew right away he had a crime scene in the making, one (laughs) that would only warrant the best thing he could think to do, take a picture. He fumbled for his phone and finally retrieved it, snapping several pictures. Perhaps he would have made a good detective in his other life or maybe a mediocre photographer, but today he documented evidence that eluded him before. Following the final flash of his phone's camera, the boy rushed out just as fast as he rushed in. The fear started to diminish, but he stopped immediately after the bathroom door closed behind him. Daniel stood, still gripping his phone tightly, and went to view the pictures on his phone. He selected the most recent photo and sent it to his partner in potting, Drew, so they could both share this moment because it wouldn't be the last time they fell prey to the bleeder. I thought there was going to be a twist ending. They've set it up as a basically a moment where we can have sequels just like Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark movie. This is basically an origins tale. All I can say is hopefully this listener who will remain unnamed will send in more of these. Keep them coming, baby. Kimko by Doti. Quality Check is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA.